Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. What is going on everyone and welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all doing well and welcome to part 2 in this unbelievable no sleep story. If you haven't already seen, last week I posted this episode thumbnail on screen. Part 1 of a truly terrifying story in which the people involved were legally banned from sleeping for 72 hours. If you haven't already seen it, link down below. You need to go and watch part one first before you listen to this. But without further ado, part one ended on a cliffhanger. Let's see what happens next. As the door burst open, mum had only been asleep for a couple of seconds, a minute at most, but she was sitting on the toilet, her head leaning back and something was coming out of her mouth. Black and blue fingertips poking out over the edge of her lips her throat undulated. The moment dad grabbed her, she tipped her head forward, coughing. Dad washed her face in the sink while yelling at me to wait in the other room. For a few minutes, I was just sitting there, ready to run or hide. It might have been too late, I figured. She could have already been affected, like Larry Peterson. I could hear them arguing in the other room, and as their voices went from angry to desperate to sad, I didn't know what to do. When they finally returned, they sat me down to explain that we were going to be fine, that we were almost halfway through, and that we were in the home stretch. They were so kind, warm, and careful in the way they explained it, but my mind was a thousand miles away. I had trouble focusing, and all I could think about was that strange noise I kept hearing in the background, something outside. Dad was halfway through explaining how we weren't going to lock our bathroom doors anymore when something in me screamed at me to react. It was just a slight click, but it was clear as day. Maybe it was those booster shots, but I kept hyper-focusing on little details rather than big picture stuff, like an actual conversation taking place in front of me. I closed my eyes, and no less than a second later, there was a loud bang someone was shooting at us. It was only a couple of shots, but we dropped to the ground. One shot got lodged in the front door while the other cracked the kitchen window. There were loud voices outside, laughing hysterically. They were talking, but barely making any sense. One of them sounded like she was trying to talk with food in her mouth. Mum and dad kept quiet as two more shots popped off, one of them hitting the kitchen light. With an electric spark, it gave out, blacking out most of the kitchen. I could hear someone running and laughing as they continued down the streets. In the distance, there was more gunfire. Maybe someone responding in kind. We can't stay here, mum whispered. We gotta call them. You wanna go to where they put Larry? Dad answered. To be in a whole hospital full of these people? They're shooting at us. We can't just- Mum quieted down and looked at me. 
She and dad excused themselves to talk in private while I was asked to move upstairs. I was to stay away from windows and I couldn't sit or lie down. They'd be up to check on me in a bit. But of course, I was too curious. While still hearing them argue downstairs, I checked an upstairs window. I could see pretty far down the street and in the distance, I could make out a car stalling on the side of the road. The headlights were still on, but it was surrounded by at least six people. Two of them were dressed like the armed guards we'd seen earlier. It took me a while to realize there was an old man sitting in that car. I'd seen him around a couple of times, but I didn't know his name. The surrounding people were trying to crack the car windows with various weapons. Tire irons, bricks, hammers, lead pipes, whatever they could get their hands on. It didn't take them long to break through. They reached in to pull the man out. It was too far off for me to hear his screams, but I could vaguely see what they were doing. They held him down and covered his face with their hands, his eyes, his mouth, his ears, leaving only his nose to breathe through. Then they just sat there. It took me a moment to realize what they were doing. They were forcing him to sleep. After a few minutes, they let go of him. The old man slowly stood up, leaned against his car and started to dry heave. After a while, the same blue and black goo that I'd seen from Larry Peterson started pouring out of his mouth, stopping only as he coughed up some kind of clot that could barely fit in his mouth. A clot that moved. As he straightened his back, he looked at the strange group and they walked down the street together. Some jogged, some sprinted. One of them crawled, but it looked like he'd held onto something with his teeth. Either that or something was coming out of his mouth. Something long. As they hurried down the street, I could hear more gunfire. In the distance, coming from another way, I could see another group of people. At least a dozen, but heading in another direction. Roaming gangs of sleep-deprived sick people. God knows how this thing affected them long-term. When my parents were done discussing, they sat me down to explain that we were going to stay indoors and keep away from the windows, just in case. We were locking all doors and windows, closing all curtains, and not playing anything louder than necessary. We were to draw as little attention as possible. Of course, I agreed. What choice did I have? That night, I could tell things were deteriorating. Dad almost took a double dose of booster shots as he forgot he'd taken the first one, but mum stopped him. There were no phone calls coming in. They'd stopped checking in on us. Mum even tried calling, but the line had been disconnected. The gunfire outside was further away, but more frequent. We could hear cars honking, but no sirens. Then there were fires, at least two somewhere downtown. We could see the smokestacks from afar. Mum wasn't doing well. She couldn't eat, and at times she could barely stay on her feet. She kept talking out loud, even if no one was in the room with her, and she had to lean against things to stay upright. She couldn't keep the fiber bars down, and she walked around with her head bobbing back and forth. Dad tried his best to keep her active, but he was having trouble as well. No matter how many cold splashes he took to the face, he just couldn't stay attentive. I wasn't doing well either, but nowhere near as bad. I still had my appetite and I took my booster shots, but I could feel the side effects. My hands kept shaking and I had a nasty headache. There were these pinches down my neck like someone was shocking me with a wet battery. I'd imagined things moving just outside of my vision. I kept turning around to look at the windows as I'd started to hallucinate that they were screens. By morning, there was a new problem. Both the power and the water had been cut. 
There was a small lake a short walk from the house and we had no choice but to try and get some water by hand. We had some drinking water stocked in the kitchen, but we needed some for the bathroom. Mum volunteered to go, but that was out of the question. She could barely stand or make a coherent sentence. There was no discussion. Dad had to do it. We watched him from one of the upstairs windows. The sun had just risen, bathing the withering landscape in long, sharp shadows and a sickly bright glow. Mum was just staring blankly ahead, as if trying to remember what was so important. Isn't isn't it your birthday soon she said out loud that was tuesday i responded did did you wish for you to get older she asked i wish i wish for that i want you to be be able to get older she looked at me and laughed maniacally she blinked one eye at a time her left eye lingering a little longer than her right her eyes were sunken and dark and she kept going cross-eyed. I think she meant well, but that look she gave me was nothing short of terrifying. It was like she'd been reduced to her most basic self. My mum was still in there somewhere, but most of it was just gone. After about an hour, I spotted dad coming back. Mum and I were both relieved, but it didn't last long. I noticed he wasn't carrying any water. Moments later, I could see he wasn't alone. There were about two dozen more people coming with him. Mum didn't seem to react. She just looked out the window and nodded to herself. For a moment, she was almost falling asleep standing up, her mouth moving up and down on its own like a bass out of water. I could see something moving in her throat. I shook her and in a moment of clarity, she looked out the window again. As I heard something pound against the door downstairs, Mum pushed me into the closet. She ran downstairs to get the remaining booster shots and dropped it all on me along with her wristwatch and a couple of fiber bars. Someone, someone will come get you, she said. Just wait, just, just wait and, and stay awake. I'll, I'll try to think of something. I didn't have the time to protest before she slammed the closet shut. I could hear a key slide into the lock downstairs. Dad may have forgotten something about who he was, but he hadn't forgotten how to use the house keys. I just sat there in the dark, listening. I curled up into a ball, but I didn't want to get too comfortable. I could hear furniture being turned over, unfamiliar voices yelling obscenities or incoherent nonsense. A fight broke out and I could hear someone throwing something. Another person ran up the stairs and into the bathroom, repeatedly kicking the bathtub. A woman screamed, then a man. There was a gunshot followed by windows being broken. I could hear a muffled scream as if someone was held down, maybe like they did with the old man outside the night before. I must have sat there for hours. In the dark, it was hard to tell if my eyes were open or not. I couldn't tell if I was really hearing something outside or if I was just imagining it. I could hear voices and whispers, but they didn't seem to make sense. Sometimes I imagined them standing just outside my door, asking me for the cheat codes for the games I'd played. All I had to keep my waning sanity company was my mum's wristwatch and I could barely make it out. Time passed so strangely. I could be wrapped in a thought for what felt like hours, but only minutes passed. Then I'd catch myself staring straight ahead and two hours could disappear. I kept repeating the next scheduled hour for the booster shot like a mantra, but things were getting stranger. The clock would go backwards. 
I'd imagine someone sitting across from me, a pair of white eyes staring back at me from the dark. There were little voices telling me to go to sleep and I found myself nodding off. I could feel something moving in me like a hand trying to fit into a glove. I finally gave up and got out of the closet. I could barely stand as I dragged the booster shots and fiber bars along in a plastic bag. I didn't care if there was anyone downstairs. I needed to see something. I needed light or some kind of stimuli. The whole house was trashed. Every piece of furniture broken, every light smashed. There was blood spatter on the walls and the front door was hanging on a single hinge. Every window was smashed and our picture frames had been thrown across the room like ninja stars. But the strangest thing was an acrid smell coming from the kitchen. At first, I didn't understand what it was. It looked like a person, but there was the wrong number of limbs. After a few seconds of adjustment and trying to force myself to clarity, I realized it was a dead body. A young man with a knife sticking out of his chest splayed out on the kitchen floor. His jaw was extended and broken on one side. There was a black and blue arm reaching out of his throat, reaching upwards to grab his own head. Something in me stirred. Something in me didn't like what I was looking at, and I wasn't sure if it was me or something else. I tried to push it down with a fiber bar, which strangely worked. I made my way outside in a daze. I didn't know what to do. Part of me wanted to find my parents, another part of me wanted to get out of town. I wanted to look for a bike or just start walking or catch a bus. Of course, there were no buses to catch, but my sleep deprived mind couldn't separate fact from fiction anymore. That entire night was one long living nightmare. I kept imagining things coming out from the dark. I could hear voices telling me to turn around, to stop, to run all at once and none at all. I could barely keep my balance and stopping even for a moment would send me straight to sleep. I had to keep going. I even took an extra booster shot, which just gave me this sharp joint pain and made me swear. I could tell I'd done something stupid. I took a shortcut through the park. I could see faces coming out of the trees. I saw a man lying face down on the gravel path, being pulled forward by an arm coming out of his mouth. I saw a man out by the lake, repeatedly slapping his arms against the cold water surface like a manic child trying to get as high a splash as possible. Some of it was real, some of it wasn't. I couldn't tell which was which, not anymore. When I finally reached downtown, I saw at least two dozen people gathered outside a burning building. All of them with black and blue arms reaching out of their mouths, stretching towards the flames as if slowly wafting air towards them. Like human kelp moving against an invisible current, they leaned back and forth in unison, praising whatever chaos they'd caused without a word or sound. And yet I could hear them, welcoming me, beckoning me, all voices unique, carried to me by an unfelt wind. Come closer, it begged. You belong here. I turned away and the voices grew louder, desperate, screeching, demanding my attention, my devotion. Some of them coming from outside, some of them coming from the rumble of my stomach. It's already here, it laughed. It'll never go away. It'll never sleep. It'll never stop. Hands reached for me, a face in every window. Voices reaching from beneath the concrete. Gunfire, broken windows, glass cracking under my rubber boots as I shuffled past burnt out cars. It was dark, then bright, then dark again. And at some point, I succumbed. 
I felt concrete against my cheek, but I couldn't bring myself to get up. My legs wouldn't move. My eyes wouldn't open. Yes, the voices laughed. Come, come to us. Come burn with us. And then, darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't know how long I was out. Hours, maybe half a day. I woke up to see a man running towards me, asking me if I was okay. A car had pulled over, bathing me in a warm light. By the side of the road, a colony of frogs looked at me. In the distance, my eyes landed on a discolored sunflower. It had turned blue. Strange how you don't notice the most obvious changes until they stare at you in the face. Turns out, exposure had happened at least six hours earlier than the man with the clipboard had predicted and I'd been awake long enough for most of the effect to pass through my system. I was found unconscious by the side of the highway about nine miles from my house. While I did have an uncomfortable, dreamless sleep, the effects it had on me were nowhere near as bad as what had happened to most of the neighborhood. I'm sure you've heard of it. Riots, they called it. Just another mess up in a low income area. I don't even think it reached national news. Some of the people who succumbed to it early got permanent brain damage. Larry Peterson was never the same, but it was hard to tell if it was because of the emotional trauma or the sleep thing. Either way, he had to have a nurse come look after him a few times a week for the rest of his life. Mum and dad weren't completely unharmed either. Mum developed some kind of narcolepsy after that night, spontaneously nodding off at the most inopportune times. Dad lost his sense of taste and smell. To this day, they're having a hard time explaining what exactly they experienced. To them, it was just like going to sleep and having the most horrible nightmare, only to wake up in a hospital bed. Sometimes I wonder if I did fall asleep. Some of the things I saw were so strange that there was no way to tell if they were real or not. I vividly remember that scene of hands waving back and forth outside that burning building downtown. It had to be real. That building really did burn. As you might imagine, I have a hard time looking back at this. Thinking too much about it gives me this icy feeling in the pit of my stomach, like a small part of me believes that this is all just a big nightmare, that I'm still just a clock stick away from waking up in that closet with someone standing just outside waiting for me. Or maybe it's something inside of me, still waiting to grab the reins. Maybe it's just a night away. Oh, and there we go. That is the end of the story. Wow. Honestly, guys, I had goosebumps throughout quite a lot of that. That was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Phenomenal stuff. It reminds me a lot of, of books, kind of horror books that I used to read as a kid that I really liked from people like Anthony Horowitz. There was also a book, I think it was called The Plague, a series of books. I think it's called The Plague, which this really reminded me of. Phenomenal stuff. Actually, let me look that up. No, it was called The Enemy. 
by Charlie Higson. That's what it's called. It's a series of books and it's great. Uh, I think it is for children or for teens. But I mean, if you are a teen listening to this, you've got to read that. That series is great. And it really reminded me of that series. I mean, to be fair, this story, if nothing else, has given a very literal definition to the subreddit, r slash no sleep. Phenomenal. But uh, hey, I guess all that's left to say is if you see a colony of frogs randomly on your road or a blue sunflower, then um, yeah, good luck. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.